get your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to finish this up tonight. We're going to finish up the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Many, 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 many lessons you can get from this book, but I have just pulled three that have made a difference in my life. Although there are many others that we could pick. So if you'll stand, let's Jeremiah chapter five and verse Jeremiah chapter one verses five and six. Jeremiah chapter one verses five and six. Actually verse four. The verse four the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse five, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse six, Alas, Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we can get in your word, these few minutes. Lord, I pray that you would use these words. Lord, speak through me. Speak through your word. And as we leave this place, let's put them in action. In thy name we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about how to wind this up, I was thinking, what have we learned? We've been, Kenny and Lynn's been gone almost, has been three months. They'll be home a month from tomorrow, yesterday, right? Today. So we're on the downhill, downhill trek. And I said, I'm going to be at the, the airport waiting and just handing it all back to him. Here you go. Here you go, brother. <laughs> Welcome home. Um, Jeremiah, but I've enjoyed it. Here, Jeremiah, chapter 1. Lesson number 1. Lesson number one I've learned, God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. We read in Jeremiah 1.5, and I, I, when we went through this the first time, I told you if there's no other verse in the Bible, this is one that you should feel good about. This is one that before I formed you in the womb, before you were ever even thought of by your parents, grandparents, whatever, many generations ahead, he knew you. He has a purpose for you. He knew you and has a purpose for you. That's why it's so important with this group that we're talking about. God has a plan for these 15, 16, 18 people we're talking about. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 110 years old. God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. Sometimes the plan changes. Sometimes the plan changes depending where you are in your life. Um, bloom where you're planted. You all have heard that little cliche before. It's true. It's true. Sometimes it changes. But as I read this verse, I think of when my children were born. When my children were born, um, I held those sweet things in my hand and, and I said, you know, good morning, Caleb. What, are, what is God going to use you for? You know, Emily, are you going to be a missionary? You know, Addie and Allie, um, are you going to be a teacher, businesswoman? What, what's God got in store for you to fulfill His purpose in this world? And that's that's a sweet memory. When I read this verse, I think of my children just as they were born. And you can think back too of your children or when they were young or your nieces, nephews, whatever, of of just how fresh, how new. Everything is, is laid out. Their whole future's theirs for the taking. Theirs for the taking. But look at verse 6. Jeremiah was young, and he said, 
uh, Ah, Sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak, for I am too young. God um, gave him a gave him a job to do. God told Jeremiah, you're going to go to Judah and you're going to tell them the message I give you. And that message is, repent or be destroyed. It wasn't a difficult message, but it was one that probably for a young person, it's, it's difficult. Uh, Jeremiah felt inadequate. He was young. He was inexperienced. He didn't know what to say. The truth is, and the truth be told, he was inadequate. He was young, just like you're inadequate, and I'm inadequate. I'm inadequate to stand here, to do anything, and you are too. Um, but listen to this, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 10, 8 through 10. This is what I'm trying to get at. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that Christ's power may be t- rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in the weakness. In results, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For you see, it's not up to me. It's not up to my strength. It's not up to my ability. If it was, it's about me. Not about Him. God gives the strength. God gives the ability. God gives what we need when we need it. God gives what we need when we need it. Whenever you, whenever you think, I'm strong, I can do this, it's only through God's strength, only through God's will for your life that you can do anything, anything. Same with me. Same with me. It's not about me. It's about Him and what He can do for my life. Whenever we think we are somebody, what happens? We realize Somebody usually comes along and cuts me down a few notches, a few notches. But we are, it's up to him. It's up to his grace. So God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. Number two, the second thing I want to hear. Sometimes the road is hard and the burden is great. Sometimes the road is hard and the burden is great. Flip over in Jeremiah to chapter 8. Sometimes the road is hard and the burden is great. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. And we'll go through 9-1. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. The harvest is past. The summer has ended. And we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn, and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water, and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain 
of my people. Jeremiah 20 through 9 1. Jeremiah delivered the message God was to send. But in delivering that message, something happened. He got a burden for these people. He got a burden for these people. Just like we're getting a burden for that Sunday school class. We're getting a burden for these people. And they were hard-headed. They didn't do a thing they were told to do. When they went, when it looked like they were, it was just to please, just for looks. It was no heart change. No heart change. Remember Jeremiah 2.13 about, we talked about, they have forsaken the spring of living water for cisterns. They traded a fountain of Jesus for an inch of water. And they said, that's enough. I've got water, you've got water. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And Jeremiah knew that. Even today, there are people in your life, people in my life, people in our church, who've traded that fountain. It breaks our hearts. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. But the results aren't up to us. Just like it was with Jeremiah, he was called to do a job. He was called to do a job. We're just called to be faithful and to do what's commanded of us. Have you ever heard the saying and somebody ever said to you, God will not place on you more than you can bear? you ever heard that? Do you ever know that? Have you heard that? Do you know that's not in the Bible? Do you know that? That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. In, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about temptation. And he, he says something to the effect of, of temptation, God won't make you won't be tempted more than you can bear, and that's true. He won't you won't be tempted without him giving you a way out. But as far as burdens, it never says that. It never says that. In fact, um, every day I'm overwhelmed with burdens, and you are too, because. And get this, get this, it goes back to that previous point I made. The burdens bring you closer to God. Bottom line. Bottom line. Our burdens, our problems, our heartaches remind us that we can't do it. It's not up to us. It's out of our hands. But nothing is too big for my God. And when I get overwhelmed, where do I go? To the one who's never overwhelmed. To the one who's never overwhelmed. That's your heart. That's where we need to be tonight. Don't pray that, Lord, make my way a bed of roses. No. Lord, whatever it takes for me to draw close to you, it hurts. It's hard, so hard, but when you are at the weakest point, when you feel like you can't do another thing, that grace and mercy just pours over you. And that peace, oh, that peace comes. That peace 
that peace that even if it's not going to be all right here on earth, that peace that it's in God's hands and not mine. You've ever been there? Have you ever been there? And we go around saying, oh, but God won't put nothing on you more you can bear. You know what you need to say to those people? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And do it. Mean it. Do it. Pray. Because if anything we need in this world is prayer. We need prayer. When we are our weakest, God's at His strongest. As for burdens, any strength we have to bear, any burden is a gift of God. Any strength that you have to bear, any burden, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Third point. Third point. Third point. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Before I read this, let me tell you where they are. Um, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians have attacked Judah and it is about to fall and it, it's a gruesome, gruesome, gruesome thing but listen to what Jeremiah writes here and this is the words of the Lord Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. Verse 3. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries that I, where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful, increase in number. And I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Listen to this one. Verse 5 and 6. This is the big part. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and will do what is just and right in the land. Verse 6, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. The book of Jeremiah ends with the fall of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian armies attack, surround the walls of the city, Remember Nehemiah and Ezra, Nehemiah books deal about rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the wall for protection. But what happens is the Babylonians use this against them. So instead of um, attacking the wall, trying to get over the wall, they just camp around it for two years. Nobody can go in, nobody can come out. If you didn't have it inside the wall, it didn't come to you. What happened was they starved to death. 
bones were lying in the street. They turned to cannibalism to live. It was so horrendous. So horrendous, this takeover. So horrendous. Um, it's one of those things where they didn't have to really fire a shot. They just stood there. They just stood there. Um, the mighty Hebrews. The mighty Hebrews. At the end of the siege, Judah was carried off into captivity as slaves. And there they stayed. The mighty Hebrews who had gone their own way, the mighty Hebrews who had relied on their own strength, the mighty Hebrews who relied on the political alliances of the day, rather than the one true God, were led away as slaves. God's chosen people led away as slaves. Forty years. Forty years. Forty years. Jeremiah preached to them, worked with them, spoke with them, lived with them, prayed for them, interceded for them. Forty years. Forty years and they were destroyed. You might think that Jeremiah was a failure. Quite the opposite. Jeremiah was probably one of the great characters of the Bible to me. He did as he commanded. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. And if there's any questioning his heart for these people, he wasn't like Jonah that went because he had to. Remember Jonah, he went, preached, the gourd came over his head, he got mad because the gourd died, and he got hot. Remember Jonah? Um, very different, very different prophet there. Jeremiah preached, lived with them, gave all he could give, and they still ended. They still were carried off. I told you before we started, this is the kind of the ending of the Old Testament. Because by the time Jesus comes in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, 400 years, God's silent for 400 years. 400 years. In fact, even Jeremiah is thought to be carried away into captivity and, and scholars think he eventually died in Egypt. The Bible doesn't say exactly what happened to Jeremiah. But at the next book over is Lamentations. And if you want to read some heartbreaking stuff, you read Lamentations where Jeremiah sits on the hill and overlooks the ruins of his precious Jerusalem and his heart breaks for these people. His heart breaks for the city that he's given 40 years to. 40 years to. But there's hope. There's hope. Verse 5, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up David, raise up for David a righteous branch. That righteous branch is named Jesus. That righteous branch is named Jesus. We aren't good enough. We'll never be good enough. The Jews weren't good enough. They'll never be good enough. Jesus came 
because we needed someone who was good enough. We needed someone who was good enough. Flip over to Galatians. And we're almost done. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, 20 and 21. 20 and 21. Jesus, the righteous branch. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ, now no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, is the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you could get there on your own, Jesus died in vain. We can't get there on our own. We can't get there on their own. Max Licato wrote a little article that rings so true. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. God sent us a Savior. Christmas is right around the corner. We get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that as we do that, Christ will be in the center of our Christmas celebration. Because I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Forty years of praying, begging, and pleading didn't make a difference to the Jews. It made a difference to Jeremiah. He was a totally different man than from that for chapter 1 when he said, Lord, I'm too young. To sitting up on that hill and that Lamentations just weeping because of the burdens on his heart for these people. Weeping because of these people. His heart was changed. I pray tonight your heart would be changed. I pray the burden that you have, I pray God would use it in a great and mighty way. I pray for good burdens on you. I pray for the people that we're going to, these kids we're praying for, young people. I pray you'd look around and see the empty seats. So many could be here. I pray for them tonight. I hope you do. We're going to close with the nail-scarred hand, 318. James, would you come lead us tonight? Would you come lead for me?